Hey, everybody. Saul Marquez with the Vive podcast. I want to welcome you all to today's episode here at Vive in the amazing Nashville, Tennessee. I've got two amazing guests that we're going to have a conversation with. First, I want to introduce you to Maleke Amini. She's the founder and CEO of Trait, a healthcare software company dedicated to improving diagnosis and treatments in brain-based disorders, including autism, ADHD, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and Alzheimer's, among others. Prior to Trait, Maleke was the Senior Vice President of Products and Business Development at Base Health where she provided the vision connecting new breakthroughs in medical science to the needs of healthcare organizations and consumers. We also have Dr. Laurel Williams with us. She is a professor at the Menninger Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science at Baylor College of Medicine. Dr. Williams is the medical director for the Centralized Operational Support Hub for the Texas Child Mental Health Care Consortium. So I'm excited to have a conversation with both of you around a very important topic. That's mental health and specifically for kids. So welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thank Glad you for to be here. Us. Glad you guys are here. And what we're, we'll talk about today is so timely. It's all about context and contrast. So really great we're having this discussion. Before we do, I'd love to learn more about both of you. So if you can, just share what inspires your work in healthcare. Well, I think that I became a physician because... I really am just fascinated with how the mind works from a very early age. I found it just interesting why some people made one decision and then other people made another one. And it just led me down that path. And I truly see being a physician as a calling. It's something we do to help people. And I enjoy being able to be a part of somebody's journey because where they come to see me, things are usually pretty tough. And so it's nice to see the story kind of end in a more positive direction whenever you can make it. And to why children specifically is that most mental health disorders actually start in childhood and really just this idea of changing the trajectory. Mm. If you could start back when somebody started feeling anxious at age eight, you can really make a whole world of difference versus waiting until somebody's 28. So for me, working with younger people and their families and helping everybody create better patterns and habits, it's life-changing. That's awesome and very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I actually took a sharp left turn in my career. (laughs) I am an engineer and a cognitive science by background, and I applied all of my knowledge and experience actually in flight dynamics and automation in manufacturing for automotive industry. I did my MBA and ended up doing a lot of healthcare work initially in consulting at the Boston Consulting Group and really worked for over 15 years in health and health tech providing strategy or operational support to large pharma, to payers, provider systems. And at the time, felt really excited about the work that I was doing until I really realized everything I had done as patient-centered in those projects actually were corporate profitability. The name patients or clinicians were never really in that conversation. What really made me do what I do today, though, was really my personal journey and struggles with a loved one who navigated this very complex neurological and psychiatric path and trying to identify the right resources, trying to figure out what is driving what, what is it a medication throwing off another symptom. Like it's just, it was continuously a complex process. And in looking closely at what was going on, I actually did identify that this is norm. It's actually not an exception. They all have similar complexities. And in order to assess them properly, to treat them more comprehensively, you really needed to consider all of those factors together in order to provide better 
patient care and to be able to really actually assess and understand them better. So decided to get more hands-on involved with what I do, which is really building that data platform, the tool that enables collection of symptom level, environmental factors, all of those things that make these particular conditions more complex and also have impact on the symptoms that a patient has. I was very fortunate to come across Dr. Williams and just a really great group of individuals who contributed and created. So ours is a partnership and then a group of individuals who really became an important part of our team to build a platform that can do that. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it is a complex problem and we do need to think about it and we need to collaborate to come up with the solutions for really kind of the best outcome for these young people that become adults and let's catch it early. So let's cover a couple of questions here that I'd love to ask you. So the Texas Child Mental Health Consortium, why is it different from what's being done out there and everywhere else? Well, the fun fact is in healthcare in the United States, it's not coordinated or connected. <laughs> so your, your question about how do you help bring connections together, our system is designed to not be that way. So that's everywhere across the country. Texas really decided to kind of work together in a different way. And that's what's really making the Mental Health Care Consortium so unique, is it's joining together 12 different departments of psychiatry across the state, along with important sort of state agencies, the Texas Education Agency, the Health and Human Services, several very important nonprofit agencies. We all come together on this executive committee with the aim of working together in a coordinated and collaborative way to provide better access to health care and better training for the wide variety of people that need to be a part of the solution when it comes to providing health care. There's not enough therapists in Texas, in the United States. There's not enough psychiatrists in Texas and the United States. And even if we churn more out, we're not going to get there. So we need to make sure that everybody can play a role, whether it's the teacher, the parent, the, the PCP, the therapist, the psychiatrist, we all have to come together to create that solution. And that's what the consortium is doing. And we have five programs within the consortium. The ones that we're focusing on, I think, today are the two that are related to sort of more direct kind of care. One is the Child Psychiatry Access Network. It's a statewide program that any primary care physician across the state can call and speak to a specialist within 30 minutes. So they can really inform care at the primary care visit and not wait to go see the specialist. And then our Texas Child Access Through Healthcare Telemedicine Program, T-Chat. I'm not getting it out, but that's okay. <laughs> the T-Chat program is based on providing direct services at a school. Where where are kids every day? They're at school. Where are parents every day? They're at work. Mm -hmm. Where am I? I'm not at school or at their work, right? So in order for somebody to come see us, they had to go to school, pick their kid up, drive somewhere, sometimes up to four hours to see me for a one-hour appointment. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. Right. So... TCHAP provides, with parental legal guardian consent, care at the school so that this child has less time lost with instruction. And it helps the families as well because they can call them from work, right? So less time away from work, plus they get health care that's state-run. So we have a system where everything is coordinated and collective in that regard. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. And you're meeting them where they're at. Absolutely. makes so much sense. Thank you for that. And uh, did you want to comment on that, Malike, at all? Or? Just honestly, a thought-leading transformative program across the country. There are some other access programs that other states are also working on or have already developed. But Texas, through this integrated platform of service delivery, has really transformed this. It's a thought-leading platform in the nation right now. 
Thank you for that. Yeah, it is. And we've been having a lot of conversations around how to think more creatively, because where are you spending time and who are you seeing that could potentially be a care part in this? Uh, And so there's so many community-based organizations, primary care physicians, dentists, schools, right? The location. So I think it's critical that as health leaders looking to make a difference in these places, we have to think creatively just as the consortium has. So great examples. How are you assessing program outcomes in terms of patient health and expanded access? So that was one of the things we needed to make sure that we did. We didn't. We have 12 teams, and each of those teams run the CPAN program and the TCHAP program. So that's 24 teams across a very large state. We couldn't have 24 solutions. We needed to have one solution. So we did have an open procurement process to sort of do a proposal, see who would be a good choice to create an integrated data platform that we could put this information in, regardless of where you are and where you're seeing the patient, and make sure that we have one solution to that. So... That's one of the things I think is really also key is that we're partnering together collectively and collaboratively with the data management system as well. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, thank you. We actually are very excited about this partnership. So just to give you a background, TREAT is a data collection, data analytics, and clinical workflow platform specifically for behavioral health. Our model is to be patient-centered and to follow the patient across the ecosystem of care because of the complexity of what they have and to be purely outcomes-based in order to provide the data and the tools that a clinician needs to make more informed decisions during the patient visit, whether it's in person or on telehealth. So what the partnership that we have is amazing because we, again, because we are an ecosystem platform, we've been able to connect the entire ecosystem of primary care and public school system into the behavioral health specialty programs. And we've also been able to create that platform for all of these institutions that typically don't work together to all be using the same data to be supporting each other. If there is no psychiatrist today at UT Houston, it seamlessly transitions over to Baylor College of Medicine, and they provide the same service to a pediatrician or to or direct intervention to a student. And I think that has been something that provided an opportunity to look at patient data across the entire state on a standardized program. Another component of this is actually streamlining the workflow. So today, the assessment tools that are used in order to diagnose patient or patients or measure their health outcomes are questionnaire-based. They're still on pen and paper. And in order for a program this large to be able to measure the success of the program through patient health outcomes, it needed to streamline that process. And we had already built in the entire library of the most common used versions of these assessments that automatically scores them, automatically sends them out. There are patient portals and direct secure links into the platform for everyone to submit that data automatically, and it is available before the patient comes into the clinic. It streamlined the data collection part, but it also provided the repository of data across the state to look at statewide data patient health outcomes data across demographics and be able to demonstrate improvements in patient health outcomes and better access to care. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for thank you both for sharing that. And this seems like such a great platform to leverage across other states. Is that a vision? Is that part of the vision? 
Malachi, I've got enough on Texas. So. <laughs> it is part of the vision. Actually, it's really important for all the other states to be aware. And they are, in fact, aware Texas okay. is a is receiving a lot of national attention for its thought leading program. And it is becoming more and more the model that all the other states want to use. And we've had such a great partnership and we've built this platform with them to make sure that it provides the tools that it that the program requires. So as we look across the other states, number one, I see a lot of demand for talking to Dr. Williams, for example, or the team about their thought leadership on how to build these programs. And they are looking for tools like the trade application to also support and enable the programs across other states. So we're very excited. I think Texas has been able to collect data across that state and it's a large state, so really valuable data. And I can see the future of building really a federal dashboard of statewide programs across the nation. And how does that improve? How does that address the mental health crisis? So very excited to expand this. That is very exciting. It's pretty exciting. I said we have to pay attention to the metrics, to your point. So we look at things that are as as integral as how many providers do we have in our network, right? So we have over 10,000 and counting providers in the state of Texas who have enrolled in CPAN, for example. Our goal is to get every provider who does primary care to enroll. It's a state-funded program, so there's no cost to them, and they get expert advice, like I said, within 30 minutes. We've already logged over 17,000 consultations since we started, and what we can do is we can look at the data and see what are they calling us about, what help do they need. So even beyond that actual consultation call itself, we also do an extreme amount of education in sort of grand rounds, talks, CME activities. We have something called Project Echo that we run a state series twice, both in the fall and the spring on very important topics that primary care physicians need to know. So we take the sort of kernel of what are we learning from what they're calling about and turn that right back around to improve the outcomes. For T-Chat, same thing. We, we can sort of say, what are the kids coming in for? How many, what kind of sessions are they needing? How long are they needing the care for? And then to, to the point of what is the outcomes, we are able to start tracking that. And one of the things that we're really excited about is down the road, we're going to have a connection between CPAN and T-Chat. So if a child is seen in T-Chat and they have, we want to try to connect that primary care, because to your point earlier, it's about connections. And even when T-Chat's done, the child may still need some help and their pediatrician or family doc should know what's going on. And they want to have easy connections to the data, the information. So our goal is really to do that sort of process. And the family is in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. We want them to, it's their data as well. So they need to see it and understand what's going on so they can make better decisions for their family. That's great. Thank you both for that. It certainly sounds like there's the operational structures, the systems to support scalability are there. And as, as well as a thoughtful people process, as well as a training process in place that is fed by the data that is produced by the people you care for. So just a brilliant thing. What are some of the lessons learned in building the program and how has technology played a role? Well, I think the legislature created the bill that passed in 2019 and it was on paper, but then we had to actually actualize it. So we got the funding and the approval in August of 2019 we had to turn in our plans and budgets by November of 2019. And then there was something that happened in the spring of 2020. I'm not sure. (laughs) Something called COVID happened. And then the world stopped. But we couldn't stop, right? We had a mission. We, We needed to perform these services, get them launched, get them up and running. So we managed to get a CPAN from, it was an idea in August of 2019 
to we opened in May of 2020 with our first consultation call. That's fast. T-chat, school-based service. There's lots of moving parts to get there. We were able to start doing services in even in May of 2020. So lessons learned were to be flexible. Yeah. <laughs> and to really know what you needed so that you could sort of help decisions. I think one thing that we didn't do enough of that we're really sort of going back a little bit more is getting more of the end user's input. Like we thought we had end user's input, but we're really recognizing that particularly around workflows and also some of the school-based pieces of it, we really need to circle back and make sure that, is this making sense to you? How you're needing to do this? How can we make this better? How can we make this flow in a way that makes sense to you as the person who's interacting with the technology, right? Because technology shouldn't be a distraction, in my opinion. I'm here to see you and work with you. I'm not here to look at my screen. Totally. And you don't want me to look at my screen either, right? Exactly. So how do we make sure that we don't put technology so in the center that it becomes a distraction? And that's the piece that we keep working all to collectively on together. That's great. And great realization too. Yeah, no, that's okay. exactly right. I think that what we learned ex exactly in the process was the same. We had to make decisions fast. We were quickly building something that was enabling a program. And really, as people started using it, and it's not like there is a reference point. These are all brand new product program, but also a brand new technology. This had not doesn't exist this way in other programs. So it was really a learning process for us to, number one, understand that different people do things in different ways. And I think the program itself had a huge role in kind of converging some of those processes to be a lot more consistent across the state. And it also did mean that we had to be agile and flexible to continuously change things in a way that finally settled into the right process that basically streamlined the workflow that seemed to be converging as how the program was going to be functioning. Yeah, but for TeachAt, we have over 500 school yeah. districts currently enrolled with over 2,000 campuses. There's where Texas is double that. And our goal by August of 2023 is to be on every single school campus that wants it. So uh, we have had over 60,000 sessions in TeachAt to date and continuously growing. That state is actually several months old at this point. So we needed to have something that could really work, whether you're up in Lubbock or down in the valley yeah. or right across from Louisiana. Like different people needed to engage it and interact with it and making something that could work regardless of your tech capabilities. Like I have a modest amount of tech capabilities. My child is amazing. <laughs> and my Same. parents, sorry, dad, <laughs> like can't turn his phone on, right? Yeah, so yeah. you have grandmothers taking care of kids, you have kids. So there's a lot of variability and how people need to engage and work with the technology. I was just going to actually add something to this where yeah. a lot of the challenges in kind of different workflows and different practices were in place. As you're talking about the data, over 60,000 sessions have been completed in TeachAd and over 64,000 standardized measures have been sent out and received with outcomes data in just three, which mm -hmm. I think is just kind of is again a testament to how important patient health outcomes have been to the program yeah. beyond engagement and the operational information. Yeah, and for CPAN, we were like, oh, we're going to build this really great technology that all the provider has to do is log on and sign it. We had practices out in rural Texas, like we just, we only use a fax machine. Can you fax it to us? We're like, oh, so we need to develop a process to still use as a fax machine. Yeah. So that's what I said, there's so much variability and you want to try to make sure that the quality of the uh, care or the consultation does not change based on where in Texas you are when you need this help. 
That's great. Now let me do a quick acronym review. There's TPAN and TChat. Let's review, and then we're going to put in the show notes, the acronyms, links to the programs, just because I want to make sure that none of this is lost because yes. it's such a beautiful program and it needs to be leveraged. Sure. So just level set with me there one more time. You did at the beginning, but Flip I want to level chat, set again. So I appreciate that. Yeah. It's too many syllables or consonants, I think. So CPAN is the Child Psychiatry Access Network. Love it. And so we could give you the, the link links for and that. whatnot. Beautiful. And then T-Chat is Texas Child Health Access Through Telemedicine. Got it. So say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually. I love it. That's really great. So thank you for level setting there. We folks, for everybody listening, we will link up these resources. The work is extraordinary, timely. I'll say it. It happened yesterday. There was a shooting at a local private grammar school. Yes. It shouldn't happen. And the thing that that I am excited about is that a program like this exists. And what about predictability eventually, where you could say, oh, there might be a problem here. Let's intervene. So it's intervention is all we're looking for. Prevention is really, if we could really do prevention well in in the United States, I would, it probably would be my dream. Could we do prevention? Let's dream. For now. That's how you make change. It it is. If you stop dreaming, you you don't stop changing. So it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to dream. One of the nice things I love about these meetings is that you get to be around very creative, intelligent people. I was having a conversation yesterday on AI with someone and the gentleman said, he, and he had a book of Alice in Wonderland in his, in his bag. And he looks through it and he says, hallucination, imagination, and dreaming is all part of what we have in our heart as humans. So why don't we apply that to what we're doing in healthcare? And so Laurel, Malike, you guys are dreaming and you guys are doing, and I'm excited for what we're gonna create together and what we'll be able to have. My six-year-old, be able to have at his school, thanks to your work. So I want to thank you guys for that. And then uh, last thing, give us a closing thought and then we could wrap up. Goodness, closing thought. I really just think that the way that we get through what we're getting through is actually connections and together. The work that I do with people every day is sometimes a connection feels frayed or non-existent. And if you can build it back up again, you're stronger. Love that. And that's great. Thank you. Yeah, and for me, it's really going back to what it takes to create those connections. And we saw during the pandemic how quickly, when there was crisis, the government and the private sector worked closely together in order to push a vaccine out in nine months and contain a pandemic. Typically, it takes years to get there. So, and today, as Surgeon General also recently mentioned again, the current crisis in this country is the mental health crisis. And it would be amazing if we could get the same speed, the same collaboration between government agencies and the private sector to really make this a priority and get things done faster and fund programs similar to what Texas has implemented in order to continuously expand this type of intervention and support the children who are really in need of the care but don't have access to that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you both. Malakay, Laurel, thank you both for the amazing work that you do and thanks for sharing it today. Thanks. Thank Have a good you. rest of your day. You Have too. a good day.